It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I am your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, I'm going to be discussing Callum Chambers and whether his emergence spells the end or at least the beginning of the end for the Spaniard, Hector Bellerin. We're going to be talking about that at great length in this episode. But other than that, I haven't got a great deal planned. So I'm relying on you guys in the live chat box to fill it up with good questions. Uh, They can be Arsenal related. They can be personal. They can be football in general related. They can be whatever you want. Uh, But in the second half of the show, I'll be taking you guys' questions. Uh, So make sure You get some interesting ones into the chat box for me uh, between now and when we get to that part of the show. Big hello to T-Talks, to Liam, to Brad, to Steffi, to Saeed and to Ricky all in the chat at the moment and to Inter as well. Hope you're all well Uh, and everybody else watching this back on playback, listening to it back later on or, of course, uh, joining us via the audio platforms. I hope you guys are all well, too. Don't forget to leave us a review uh, if you're over on the audio platforms. I did an episode earlier on today. I recorded an episode earlier on today. If you're listening via the audio, it's the last episode um, on the feed. And I talked a lot about Martin Erdegaard and I gave him a lot of praise and I talked about the need for Arsenal to go out and sign him. I, I sort of dug deep into what I feel he brings to the side, what I feel the differences and the similarities were between him and uh, or are between him and Mesut Ozil. So check it out. Um, if you haven't done so already. But there was another player whose performance really, really stood out at the London Stadium yesterday, and that was Callum Chambers. So I felt it was only right that I dedicated this next episode as we continue to react to some of the fallout from that game at the London Stadium that we focused on Callum Chambers. Now, Callum Chambers obviously um, signed uh, from Southampton back in the day um, back in the day, signed quite a while ago. And there were high hopes for Callum Chambers, right? And we thought he was coming in as a centre-back. He's had a loan spell away um, where he's been. So he's had a couple of loan spells away. He's had a loan spell at Middlesbrough. He had a loan spell at Fulham. And you wondered, you you probably have been wondering throughout Callum Chambers' Arsenal career whether actually he is um, ever going to make it as a regular in the team. Feels like a really good squad player. Feels like someone who can be a bit of a utility man in the sense of he can fill in in a number of positions. But of course, injuries in recent years have played a massive part in preventing Callum Chambers fulfilling the potential that I think a lot of us agree he probably has. His current contract at Arsenal expires in June 2022. So it's not this summer, it's next summer. Uh, So with Callum Chambers, We've got a bit more time to play around uh, and a little bit more time to make our minds up as to what the future holds for him. Obviously, if Arsenal uh, decide to sell, then this summer would be the best time to do it with a, you know, with a bit longer left on the contract. 
But I think that Callum Chambers is somebody who could be of great use to Mikel Arteta and can come in and fill in in various positions and, um, and you know, can, can be relied upon to at least, at the very least, give his absolute all. Now, there have been a lot of rumours linking Hector Bellerin with a move away from Arsenal this summer. And we know that last summer there was interest from Paris Saint-Germain. Um, we know that that interest uh, got as far as them launching a bid. Uh, but that bid was not accepted by Arsenal. Arsenal didn't feel that Paris Saint-Germain had uh, had met the player's valuation. And it's since been reported that Mikel Arteta had sat Hector Bellerin down and said, look, Hector, give me another season and um, and then we'll be able to allow you to leave. And it was really interesting because Hector Bellerin's role at the club has been, um, has been a big one. Um, a lot of Arsenal fans are are divided on whether actually Hector Bellerin is up to playing at right back, whether he's up to uh, taking this team forward, whether it's time to cash in on him. I feel personally like Hector Bellerin gets a rough ride sometimes from certain sections of the fan base because of some of his off-the-field interests, which I think is is completely wrong. But don't underestimate the role that he's had at the club over the last few years. He's been a huge um, influence behind the scenes. He's been a a massive figure in Mikel Arteta's eyes because, and, and in uh, Unai Emery's eyes. He's one of the players that's been um, regularly sort of past the captain's armband when when needed. And he's obviously someone uh, who played a massive role, as we're led to believe, when the club were negotiating the pay cuts with the players right at the start of the pandemic. So it's understood that Hector Bellerin was key in, in getting the players to agree to that. So whilst you may not think that Hector Bellerin is, is, is great on the field, he offers a hell of a lot off the field in the eyes of the football club. And I think that that's partly why he's survived at Arsenal so long, right? I agree that at times he's been inconsistent. You know, I think prior to kind of Cedric coming into the club and and actually showing that he can come in and not really lower the overall standard, not really weaken us at fullback, I think that you'd have been you'd have struggled to find someone else within the club who who could who could do the job Bellerin did, and that's probably why he played so much football. I also feel like Bellerin is someone who was hit by an injury at a really key time in his career. And I think it took him too long, um, too long to recover from that. And unfortunately, at this level, you just don't have that kind of time. Um, And when I say recover, I don't mean in terms of getting back on the football pitch. I mean, getting back to something like his best. I'd still argue that he's not even quite there now. and, And that's frustrating. But... As Aditya says, when he burst onto the scenes, he was unbelievable. And a lot of us were looking at him and going, this kid has got the potential to go on and be one of the best fullbacks in the world. It hasn't panned out like that. It hasn't worked out like that. Um, But I I would still say um, that I would still say that Hector Bellerin is, um, is 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 a competent right back. And I'd still say um, that he's someone who can do a job. And and for me, you know, I think, as I've already touched on, that he gets a, a really hard time from certain sections of the fan base, and, and I'm not sure why. Um, big hello to everybody else joining us in the chat, because there are plenty of more of you now uh, alongside me. Uh, Chef CG says, uh, what a mission to upgrade. Struggling, but we'll get it right later, but a great channel. Are you talking about upgrading the membership, my friend? Um, if so, 
Uh, if somebody in the help in the chat who's already done it can give uh, Chef CG a hand, that would be great because I've not actually done it myself. I don't really know how it works to upgrade it or to go from one membership to the other. I'm not sure if you have to unjoin and then join again. I I'm not sure how that works. So if anyone's done that, um, I'd be grateful if you could help uh, one of your fellow members out. Um, getting back to the the conversation, yeah. Look, I think. Hector Bellerin's had a good innings. I think Hector Bellerin's done some good things for Arsenal Football Club. I also think that he's not indispensable, right? And if the right um, if the right offer comes in, then I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal were to let him go um, in the summer. And I think that when you look at the reports that we're reading, when you're hearing about his uh, alleged desire to leave last summer or, or alleged uh, openness to going away, last summer. I think most of us uh, can agree that a, a move away for Bellerin um, seems seems on the cards this summer. And Callum Chambers coming into the side at right back and playing the way he did probably in the eyes of many Arsenal fans makes them feel a little bit more comfortable about that, about the prospect of losing Bellerin and being left with Cedric and Chambers essentially to cover him. In an ideal world, you'd like Arsenal to go out and sign a top fullback because we know that fullbacks are so important um, in the modern game. We know that Arsenal used them as a weapon to get forward, as do many teams. But, you know, you, you look at somebody like Callum Chambers who, who came into the side yesterday and, and as Mikel Arteta said, he, he offers something a little bit different. Um, he showed that he can get forward. He showed that he can put good balls into the penalty area. We scored a couple of goals off of the back of Callum Chambers doing that yesterday, but he also um, adds some height and he adds an aerial presence when defending certain situations. And I think that's a lot, a large part of of why uh, Mikel Arteta went with Callum Chambers yesterday um, over Cedric. So that's my opinion on that. But yeah, I, th I think you've got to give Callum Chambers immense credit. There's been a lot of talk about how well he's been training. Um, how much he's impressed Mikel Arteta with his attitude. But I think for me, um, it's kind of the beginning of the end for Hector Bayerin. You know, you could argue that the beginning of the end was last summer when that bid came in and that conversation took place between himself and the manager about him maybe having one more year before being allowed to go. But in the eyes, at least of the public, who are not privy to those conversations that go on behind the scenes. And I'm not saying that I am, but in terms of looking at it from a purely footballing perspective and based on what we've seen on the pitch, um, I think that we, I think we're starting to see the beginning of the end of Hector Bellerin's Arsenal tenure. And, and that's a shame, you know, because he's been at the club for so long. He's been a great servant. But I was pleasantly surprised by how well Callum Chambers got forward. And that was always my worry about Chambers playing um, playing at fullback. Now, am I saying that I don't think Cedric could have done that job if he were in the team yesterday? No, I'm not. Because I still think that from a technical standpoint, I would prefer Cedric being in those positions and putting balls into the penalty area. I think Cedric's got a wonderful delivery. So it's not to overblow or overplay the role that Callum Chambers played yesterday. I thought he was really, really good. But for me, it, it was it was pleasant to see him 
be able to do that job. But I'm still not convinced that he's better than Cedric in that sense. I'm still not convinced that I'd rather he was getting forward for Arsenal in the final third than Cedric. But what I will say is he done extremely well yesterday, put some really good deliveries into the box and at least gives us some confidence in the future if he is asked to play in the right-back position. And we know that Callum Chambers naturally is a centre-back, right? But if he is asked to fill in that full-back, we know that Callum Chambers um, is uh, is capable of doing that role. And I, and I take a lot of encouragement from that. And I've talked a lot in recent weeks about competition in the squad, competition for places. And this is another position now in which we have more competition, which can only be a good thing. Big hello to former Arsenal striker Kevin Campbell, who's watching us via Twitter. How you doing, Super Kev? Hope you're well. Um, great to see you in the chat box. Big hello to everybody else uh, in the chat as well. Uh, delighted to have you all with us. Uh, just a quick reminder before I move on, before I forget, uh, this show is sponsored by Manscaped.com. So if your nether regions are in need of some tender loving care, uh, especially with the summer coming up, Head over to manscaped.com. Check out their fantastic products. Highly recommend the Lawn Mower 2.0. Check it out. Get involved. Um, and if you use our discount code, which is rolling across the bottom of your screen, it's 90min20, 90min20. You'll receive 20% off of your purchase as well as free shipping. So be sure uh, to check that out. It's a fantastic offer exclusive uh, to listeners of the 90min Podcast Network. Check it out. Also, if you haven't given the video a like, make sure you do so. If you're listening via the audio platforms, make sure you leave us a review. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. And if you wish to become a member, click on the link in the description. Let's go over to the live chat. Um, Omar says, Harry, mate, you're being too nice to Bellerin. Uh, dissident, dissident, sorry, uh, says Callum's delivery was superb. Uh, Martin Lagunas says Chambers played at right back when he first came as Matteo Debushi got injured. Yeah, I think he, he got opportunities at right back early on in his Arsenal career because maybe, maybe Arsene Wenger didn't want to risk playing him at centre-back, take a risk by chucking him in there. I don't know. Um, you know, he's got obviously the height of a centre-back. He's got the frame of a centre-back and the build of a centre-back, but he's also got the athleticism that allows him to play as a fullback as well. So that's what I kind of like about Callum Chambers. He's kind of that in-between player. And in many ways, you know, that's a good thing. But in some ways, that can be a bad thing as well. Because I think if you are if you can't nail yourself down at one position, then you do very quickly, as Ainsley Maitland-Niles found, found out, just become a utility man and just become the man that plugs holes. And I think that can actually stifle your development as a player. So... Yeah, I think I think Callum Chambers has been at that halfway house uh, since he came to the club. And I, and I think that's been a bit of an issue for him. Uh, Matt G, one of our members, says, I don't think Bellerin is a terrible right back. And I don't do think he gets way too much criticism. But looking at what Tierney gives us on the left, if we had that on the right, it would step up our attack. I completely agree with you, Matt. But I think we're talking about one good fullback and one top class fullback. And, and that's the difference. I agree with you that there are upgrades on Hector Bellerin. Um, it's why I would cash in on him this summer. That and the fact that we're going to need to raise finance uh, from somewhere or another so that we can continue to rebuild, so that we can continue improving the team. Um, so I agree with you. I think that it is time to cash in on him. I think 
he is a decent right back, but you, you're right. When you compare him to Kieran Tierney, there's clearly a different level there. And I guess I'm disappointed by that when it comes to Hector Bellerin, because at the time when he broke through, I thought that he had the world at his feet. And I actually feel a little bit sad about how he's not really gone on to fulfill that promise he showed in the early days of his career. Uh, Will Dobson says uh, Hector's life off the pitch is both positive and negative. But as his influence off the pitch has grown, his performances on it have diminished. So Will suggesting that it's been a little bit of a distraction for Hector Bellerin and maybe a bit of a problem. Perhaps. Uh, Pat Moyle says Chambers is no more than a squad utility player. It's up to Callum which route he wants his career to go. Yeah, look, I've got to be honest, as, as impressed as I was with Callum Chambers' performance yesterday, I still put Cedric ahead of him and I still see him as pretty much what Pat has just described as a squad utility player. Like you can take encouragement from displays like yesterday's. And I say it's the beginning of the end of Hector Bellerin because of all of the reasons I've discussed. The fact that he seemingly wants to move away. The fact that Arsenal probably need money. The fact that some of the European big boys are looking at him um, is probably why, um, you know, is why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Um, rather than it just being because I think Callum Chambers is a better option than Bellerin at right back. I don't. Um, I think he's, he's shown good things um, and I think he'll continue to be reliable when you need him. Uh, but that I agree with Pat, you know, that is it. Um, if we were to sell Hector Bellerin and Callum Chambers became the first choice right back, I'd be disappointed in that. I really would. Um, and again, that's not to knock Callum Chambers in any way, shape or form. It's just that I don't quite think he's at that level. And, and the utility thing, as I mentioned, you know, he hasn't been able to nail himself to one particular position. And I think he is very much a utility player um, off the back of that. Happens to a lot of players. Some players um, thrive playing like that. Some people go on and have really decent careers doing that. Others aren't happy with it and want to move clubs so that they can try and establish themselves um, in another, uh, you know, in a in one position and, and progress their career. Uh, big hello to T Talks. Another one of our members says Chambers and Cedric are good rotation options, but ultimately don't have the dynamism in attack or defence to be Arsenal's first choice right back pretty much agree with that um i i say that i'd prefer cedric over chambers but i still think we could upgrade there um and again it's not to take anything away from him because he's been you know cedric when he stepped in i think has been has been really positive um but you want you want a world class you want a world class fullback on the other side like we have with kieran tierney at the moment Let's continue through the live chat because there are lots and lots of comments uh, coming through on this uh, very subject. Uh, Ricky says, uh, hi, Harry. I think Arteta has given chances to Hector, but regrettably, Hector used to rely a lot on his pace. But it seems after his injury, he has lost that explosion. Yeah, um, certainly not as explosive as it. I would have backed Hector Bellerin once upon a time in a foot race with anybody. And I don't now. Um, and he has lost that explosiveness. There's no getting away from that. Um, it's sad because it's probably something he couldn't really help. Um, I've seen people suggesting that it's to do with his diet and things like that, which I think is absolute nonsense. Um, I just think that the the toll of of the injury that he suffered is as is still being felt. Um, let's see uh, what else uh, we've got here. 
in the live chat. Uh, Chef says, uh, seems the health and conditioning management is getting it right. Um, what does that say? Uh, someone looked prime and Chambers looked solid. Proud of the new look team. Um, Lewis says that we should go after Max Aaron's this summer. That would be nice. But if Norwich get promoted, I can tell you what, they'll be looking for a lot of money for, for Max Aaron's. Um, Greg B says Chambers was a right back at Southampton and was bought as a right back. Interesting. Um, I, I, I can't remember that far back, if I'm being completely honest with you. We're talking about, what, 2014? When he came to the club, so you're talking about best part of seven years ago. Um, I can't remember what he was signed to play as, but what I know is that um, nowadays he's officially listed as a centre-back. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I'm going by at this moment in time. But fair enough, if if, if you remember back, I can't remember back uh, that far, if I've got to be honest. Um Let's see uh, what else you guys are saying in the chat. Um, Osman Ali says, I hope it is the end for Bellerin, not just because of his lack of ability, but also his lack of his lack of winner's mentality and the symbolic value he holds being Wenger's prodigy and Arteta's son. New era. Um, but again, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's, that kind of touches on what I was saying earlier on, where I feel he gets a hard time for reasons that, aren't really his fault like just because he had a relationship with Mikel Arteta um you know a very close relationship prior to Arteta becoming a manager you can't then punish Bellerin for that at that point uh, there would be very few people that would have predicted Mikel Arteta was going to be the Arsenal boss at 38 years of age um you know the Wenger thing when Wenger brought him through he looked a, a phenomenal talent and I think a lot of managers would have looked on with envy at Hector Bellerin and how he'd managed to slot into the first team so seamless, seamlessly at a young age. But unfortunately, that potential has just not quite been uh, fulfilled. Um, Aditya is asking about Manor Solomon. So we'll move it on from the whole right back discussion. Get any questions or thoughts or views that you have on any of the uh, on anything Arsenal football, personal related, whatever you want. Chuck it in the chat now. Um, as I said, haven't had much time to plan this podcast. So um, I am relying on you guys to fill up the chat box with questions and I'll answer as many of those as I possibly can between now and the end. Uh, Aditya says, have you seen Mana Solomon play? Arsenal have a reported interest. Um, I've seen a lot of highlights of him. Um, somebody that I've been paying a bit of attention to lately, uh, of course, is Rayleigh um, Winger currently playing his football at Shakhtar Donetsk, been uh, linked with a number of Premier League clubs, Arsenal being one of them. Not sure um, that that is on the cards. I've not heard anything that suggests that that's something Arsenal are, are set on doing this summer. Um, but he looks, a, he looks a fantastic talent, that's for sure. And there's been plenty of players, haven't there, over the years to come out of Shakhtar Donetsk, using it as their almost their, their route into European football. And then they go... Dion, don't they? Shakhtar have been excellent at picking out players from various other corners of the world and keeping their team at a competitive level and then selling those players on uh, for great profits. Uh, let's see. I pick this one out uh, from side. He says, Harry, do you think Arteta will go through with a 4-2-3-1 formation 
or in the future he'll use a 4-3-3? And do you agree with keeping the same formation for the long term? I think right now with the personnel that we have, the 4-2-3-1 is the way to go. Because you're talking about two deep-lying midfield players in Thomas Partey and Granit Xhaka. I think those roles suit them down to a T. People will argue that Partey is more of a box-to-box player. Xhaka certainly isn't. Um, and if that is your starting midfield pair, then this current system, in my opinion, provides a little bit more defensive stability, but then also allows the number 10, in our current case, Martin Odegaard, to get a little bit further forward and have less responsibility defensively, then I'm okay with it. I prefer the 4 2 3 1 to the 4 3 3, if I'm honest. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Mikel changed it in the longer term, but that can only change if you've got the right personnel. And right now, I don't think we have got the right personnel to move to a 4 3 3. So for me, I'd stick with the 4 2 3 1. I think it's the system that best suits the players we have at our disposal, and I'm happy with it at the moment. Um, love this one. Uh, Omar says, have you looked forward to the international break? I have. I can't lie. Honestly, Omar, yes, I have. Um, you know, a lot of people are under the illusion that once you start. How do I put this without sounding like an ungrateful prick? Where, if your job is working on covering football. There, there becomes a point where it goes from being just a passion, just a hobby. And it is still a passion for me and it is a hobby. And don't take this the wrong way. I absolutely love what I do. But you can suffer from football burnout because you can't switch off from it. You know, anything happens, you've got to be on it. You've got to be reading. You've got to be researching. You've always got to be ahead of the game. People will come to you to ask questions and you have to know the answers or be able to give educated um, thoughts at least. And... It's been nonstop because of the nature of this season when we're talking about games being played every two, three days. You know, there's football on the TV every single night. I've had very little rest um, over the last year or so. And when people have probably, and I know the pandemic's been obviously a really bad thing and a lot of people have sadly lost their lives. A lot of people have used the pandemic and the kind of lockdowns and things like that to kind of just unwind a little bit in terms of their routine, in terms of maybe, for argument's sake, not having to commit to a 45-minute hour commute every morning, then an hour commute back. And it's made people's lives a little bit less um, hectic in that regard, not trying to fit in loads of social plans along uh, around the busy working life. And for me, it's been the complete opposite. I feel like right now I can't I don't have anything because we can't go out, because we're in lockdown, because of all the restrictions, the rules. When I try and switch off from football, I can't because there is nothing to distract me. I can't go out to a restaurant and have a meal. I can't go out for a drink with friends to distract me, to be able to switch off from it. And so I am looking forward to the international break because I want to put my feet up um, and not, I'm not going to say not work because I will be working and the podcast will continue. Uh, throughout the international break. I've got some um, thoughts on a little mini series I'm going to bring you during the international break. Still be two pods a day, et cetera, et cetera. But it means I can take my foot off the gas a little bit at the weekends. And I'm looking forward to having a weekend where I can do that and spend time with a family and spend time with my boy because I don't get to spend an awful lot of time with him because most of the time when he's awake, I'm working. And when I'm not working, he's fast asleep. So um, yeah, I am looking forward to the break. There's no, um, there's no, I'm not going to lie. I am. Um, 
And I think I'm looking forward to it more this time because of the way there's not been any respite with the football at, the, at, at this moment in time. And, you know, I completely appreciate that, you know, I, I sound like a bit of a, a, a knob saying this when there's other people who who don't have work at the moment because of the current circumstances. But mentally, you do need to switch off sometimes and being in lockdown hasn't helped that. And um, I'm desperately looking forward to having a weekend where I'm not covering a game and I can just put my foot up, uh, my feet up and chill and relax. I know it's a long answer. Uh, sorry about that. But yeah, <laughs> had to get out of my chest. Uh, T-Talk says, uh, what are the key positions in the summer uh, that you are hoping for us to sort out? Um, I want to see us do something in the centre forward position. I, you know, I've got a feeling that a couple of our centre forward options are probably going to go this summer. And that could be Balogun and Enketia. That could be Balogun and Lacazette. That could be Enketia and Lacazette. I don't know uh, how that's going to pan out. But um, yeah, I uh, I think that the centre forward position is one. I think we need to sort out what we're going to do with the right back position, especially if Bellerin's off. But for me, there are a lot of issues in this team at the moment. There are a lot of areas in which I'd upgrade. But my number one priority, if I were Arsenal manager right now would be in the centre of that midfield. Because as I've said time and time again, beyond Thomas Partey, beyond Granit Xhaka, our options are very, very limited. Danny Sabas, in my opinion, will be off this summer. And then you're left with Mohamed Elneny as an alternative. And for me, that's not good enough. You know, it's not. We need somebody that can come in and be relied upon every single week. Elneny's come in at times and done a job. And you've gone, oh, he's looked okay today. But you can't trust Mohamed Elneny over a consistent period of time to deliver performances at this level. You know, they're, they're, they're so up and down. And that's that's part of what makes you a great player, right? To be able to be consistent. I just don't think he is um, He is at that level. Um, so, yeah, uh, that, that, that would be my priority, uh, the centre of midfield. Uh, right, let's uh, go back over. Um, to the uh, questions. Matt says uh, a lot of players praise Arteta personally and his tactics. If the players believe in him and his vision, why are there still so many fans who want him out? It's a really good question. Um, but I guess, you know, as fans and maybe more casual fans who, and not because they don't want to, but don't have the time to to focus on these interviews, to to spend time reading things, to spend time trying to almost investigate and make sense of what might be going on behind the scenes, probably miss a lot of that. Um, they probably miss a lot of the the praise that Mikel gets from his his players, um, fellow coaches. Maybe I'm not maybe missing it is the wrong word because in 2021 you can almost access anything anywhere at any time, but perhaps they if you don't dig deep into something, you don't really know the full picture. Maybe that's part of it. Or maybe some fans just look at football in a different way, in a more simpler way, which is that the results, when you look at the late league table, are not good enough. And that's the bottom line. And I think that nowadays, in a Premier League where there are so, where there is so much money, um, so many clubs are competitive now, you know, six, seven years ago, you, nobody would have told you that you, nobody would have believed you if you said that Leicester, West Ham United, um, 
uh, yeah, and all these teams would be in and around and in the mix. Everton now as well in the mix for the sort of top six, top seven. It's become a lot more difficult to get in the top four because there aren't just four candidates anymore or, or five candidates. You know, there are far more now. So I think that football's changed. I think it comes from a bit of um, a bit of delusion as to maybe, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but delusion in the sense of there are a lot of Arsenal fans that can't kind of, as much as they have high standards of where we should be, and I, I don't say that is wrong, you know, they absolutely are entitled to have those standards. But I think a lot of them, maybe fail to realise where we're actually at. And because of where we're at, actually our results are about right. And it doesn't mean that we like it. It doesn't mean we accept it. But when you look at the squad that we have, when you look at, um, you know, the fact that we've just been so far off the pace when it comes to the top of the Premier League, like, for example, a draw at West Ham, when you look at West Ham's season in comparison to ours, is not a bad result, really, is it? If you look at it in the cold light of day, it isn't a bad result. But people struggle to do that because in their minds, West Ham are a mid-table club and Arsenal are a team that should be pushing at the top of the table. And I think sometimes there's got to be a little bit of a wider perspective applied when assessing things. And it's not always easy to do that as a fan, especially in the heat of the moment. But I do think that... Um, that that's partly why some fans are unable to get on board with Mikel Arteta because they're just looking at certain points. And, and and you know, I'm not saying that's wrong. That's the way they, they view it and that's the way they look at it. But I think, as I always say, to understand where Mikel Arteta is taking the side, to understand where Mikel Arteta wants to go with it and to understand that there has been some progress, maybe not enough, um, that's a different debate but you do need to look a little bit deeper and some fans are, are not willing to do that. And maybe they've got a point, um, but that hope that's answered your question, kind of. Uh, Greg B says, could Arsenal be interested in the Brazilian central defensive midfielder Gustavo Asuncao? I don't know anything about that, mate, um, if I'm honest. Um, and I haven't heard anything about that, so I, I wouldn't know if I'm completely honest. Um Let's go back to the chat uh, once again. Um, so many good questions. I'm I'm struggling um, to know to decide which ones to pick out. Let me um, let me pick this one out from uh, Avishek. He says, "Big up, Harry. Cheers." Question: What I have watched in the last two months is not gaps in personnel and managers' tactics when are playing well. Thoughts, however, we get on the fence so many times and everything is questioned. Um, I'm a little bit confused on the question, but what I have watched in the last two months is no gaps in personnel and managers' tactics when we are playing well. Thoughts. I guess what you're saying is that you've been quite happy with with the tactics and, and maybe struggling and maybe the reason that you feel we're struggling is because the players haven't applied it right and the players haven't got the winning mentality. Avishet goes on to say, however, winning is a habit and to get a killer's mentality, it takes time, but he sees improvement though. Yeah, that's how I feel as well. Um, you know, you, you you can't turn an ugly stepsister into the princess just like that. Um, it takes time. And um, some of these players, 
uh, are that even some of the players that are playing in our starting eleven now are still not good enough for Arsenal. Are still not players that Mikel Arteta will go to bed dreaming about at night. But he's got no choice but to play them because he hasn't got any alternatives. Unless you're going to give a manager hundreds of millions of pounds and an open checkbook, then building a team will take time. You're going to have to do it gradually. You're going to have to bring in a couple of important players each transfer window and do it that way. You're going to have to slowly move people out the back door whilst you bring new players in through the front. That's just the nature of the situation uh, we currently find ourselves in at Arsenal Football Club. And that's the re- that's the reality of it. And I feel like a lot of people struggle. Let's use Granit Xhaka as an example, right? I think under Mikel Arteta, he's improved immensely, largely because I think Mikel Arteta has always made sure that the basis of the team um, is uh, is stronger from a defensive standpoint. And because it's been, and, and I know we've made stupid mistakes, right? And we've still conceded too many goals. But in terms of our defensive shape, is a lot more solid. And that has helped Granit Xhaka. But just because Mikel Arteta has made a tactical tweak, it doesn't mean that Granit Xhaka will never have a brain fart moment. He has that in him, just like David Luiz has that in him. And so when those moments occur, you shouldn't be surprised and you shouldn't be outraged because you should know in the back of your mind that it's coming. That is the biggest indicator that you can upgrade on those players and they shouldn't be the ones that we look at in years to come and go, yep, that, you know, this guy has to play every single week or or should form a part of Arsenal's future. But right now, you, who do you replace them with without having the money to just go and splash cash on the table and get whoever you think? It's it's a difficult situation. And, and that's why, like, I talk about managing expectations, right? My expectations of Granite Xhaka um, are not the same as some people. Some people's expectations of Granit Xhaka are that he's going to turn up and be prime Xavi. And and that ain't going to happen. All I want Granit Xhaka to do in our midfield is win the ball back and pass it on to the more talented footballers. That's what I want to see from him. I'm not digging him out. I'm just using him as an example of someone who we know has a deficiency when it comes to, at times, lacking in concentration. When that rears its ugly head, then don't be surprised by it. Just be un- be annoyed about it at the time, but also be understanding of where we're at as a club, where we're at as a team and why actually we are playing this guy. Why is he playing every week? Because there's nobody else. There is no alternative. Uh, Hermani says, have you seen Gravenberg from Ajax play? Would be great for us. I've got to be honest, I haven't, um, but he's someone I'll, I'll certainly have a look into. Um, but I've got to be honest, he's not somebody I know anything about. And so I'd be lying to you, my friend, if I uh, sat here and pretended um, and pretended to know. So I don't want to do that. Um, Michael S says, uh, you have to improve existing players in training. If not their skill level, then focus and determination. I, I agree with that to a degree, Michael, but how do you, like as a football coach, you're a football coach. You're not a psychologist. So how do you train somebody to be mentally alert for the entirety of a game? I I don't know the answer to that question. And that's why I don't think it's so straightforward as that. I think that you can drill them tactically. You can drill them positionally. 
You can drill them from a technical perspective. You can have them sharper, fitter. But up here, um, I'm not sure as a manager how you can um, how you can have such a major influence. I think you can help with it, but I'm not sure you can be decisive in to, in, in a sense of decisive in a way. And what I mean by decisive is I don't think your influence as a manager can be the difference between someone being psychologically able to stay focused for the entirety of a game and psychologically being unable to do that. That's my that's my thing. Uh, David S says, would you prefer Arsenal by a more attacking centre midfielder like Awar in the summer in addition to Odegaard instead of a more defensive midfielder like Bissouma? We already have Xhaka, Partey and Elneny as a DM. That depends on on what Mikel Arteta's plan is going forward, David. If if he is to stick with the 4 2 3 one, and we do keep Martin Odegaard and you've got Martin Odegaard, you've got Emil Smith-Rowe, you've got Willian even potentially who can play um, in the number 10 position, then you need to be looking at bringing in a defensive midfielder because for me, that's where we're lacking. If he's looking at eventually going to a 4-3-3, then you have to you have to find someone in between. It just, you know, it's a difficult question to answer, David, because it depends on what Mikel's plans are. But let's assume for the sake of the question and for the sake of the discussion that he is going to stick with the formation he's currently playing, which is the 4-3-3, uh, sorry, the 4-2-3-1. Then I would be looking at the more defensive profile of player. Um, I'm not even p- convinced about Bissouma. I know a lot of Arsenal fans are, but I'm not not quite sure about him. Um but I guess that's another discussion for another day. Um, going back to the the point previously, Archangel says you bring in a sports psychologist, of course, talking about that mental aspect of the game. And I agree with you. You bring in a sports psychologist, you bring in a specialist. And that's kind of my point that the manager isn't that. He's a football coach, right? It's tactics, it's technical skills. It's it's a, just a completely different different job. And, and I think it's unfair to expect them uh, to to be able to just pick that up as well. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like somebody being an electrician, but you automatically assume that because they're an electrician, they can do plumbing. You know, it's, it's another string to a bow and some managers will be better at it than others. Some managers will be able to motivate people or they'll work out uh, fairly early on what, what makes certain players tick, um, what triggers certain players and and what it is that they they're playing the game for ultimately and how you can tap into that is key. So um I do think managers can influence that but I don't think that they can ultimately make somebody who's prone to lapses in concentration just click his fingers and those disappear. Um yeah. Let's see what else we've got here in the live chat. I'm going to pick out one or two more just because I'm a little bit pushed for time. But Inter says that, Harry, would you go for a new goalkeeper? Seeming as Arteta has had another brain fart and sold our best one. I'll tell you what, mate. Emmy Martinez has made a hell of a lot of mistakes this season. I know a lot of Arsenal fans don't want to, uh, don't want to acknowledge that, but he has. Um, I was disappointed when Martinez left because I thought he did really, really well at the back end of last season. But you've got to realise as well that he himself wanted to leave because he wasn't going to be given guarantees uh, about being the number one. I, I've been a critic of Bern Leno actually throughout his time um, as Arsenal goalkeeper. I think there have always been moments in there where you've looked at him and gone, uh, 
not really sure about this guy, but equally he's had games where he's been fantastic. So it's very, um, it's very difficult, um, you know, for me to, 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 to say whether we should go and look for another goalkeeper. I think that it would have been nice if we had brought in another goalkeeper who could compete with Berlin. So when he is going through difficult moments, you can make that change without really worrying about the impact of it. I don't think Matt Ryan is quite there. I don't think I don't look at Matt Ryan and say he's on par with Berlino. I look at Matt Ryan and say what he is, though, is a hell of a lot better than Runarsson. And that's why he was brought in. But again, it all goes back to the resource point, right? If you don't have the resources um, to go out and bring in a top draw goalkeeper who can compete with Bern Leno, then what do you do? You have to make do. And um, although I think he's had some really bad moments and I think he's let us down on a number of occasions, the reality is that I would still say over the course of the season, Bern Leno's probably earned us more, more points than he's lost us. Uh, Brad Richardson says, uh, what other sports do you play or watch nowadays? Um, in terms of my playing of sports, probably uh, FIFA is probably the closest uh, to me actually getting out there and playing. No, look, I, do, I do like a bit of tennis. I do like watching tennis. I like watching boxing. Um, I'm not going to sit there and pretend to be a boxing guru or a tennis guru, but they're two sports that I enjoy watching um, outside of outside of football, but I am so invested in football that my knowledge of those two in comparison to what I like to think my knowledge is of football is, is incomparable. Um, but I, they would be my my two favourite sports outside of football, uh, for sure. Um, don't get the hype around Formula One, not a fan whatsoever um, of that. And I'm not even a fan of, of UFC, which is weird because I like boxing, but I don't like that. I don't know, maybe it's just because I've never gotten into it. But yeah. Those would be the two sports outside of football uh, that I probably pay the most attention to. Um, I, I like keeping an eye on what's going on in the cricket, but I won't sit and watch it, um, especially not test matches. I went to a test match. I went to one of the days of a test match um, between India and England just before lockdown and no word of a lie or last summer. Was it last summer or the summer before? And no word of a lie. I fell asleep. Um, at the Oval. Um, I had a nice little lean back and, and dozed off. Um, so I do like a bit of cricket as well. I like to know what's going on. I'm always aware of what's happening in it, but it's not something um, that I will sit and spend hours watching. Uh, Inter says, uh, go to a darts weekend, Harry. They're quality. I've always wanted to go to the darts. Alexandra Palace is like, what, 20 minute drive away from me. But I've never been able to get tickets when I've tried. So hopefully one day, uh, we'll be able to tick that one off of the list. Massive thank you to everybody who has joined me throughout this uh, live edition of the podcast. Thank you all for your brilliant questions. As always, uh, thank you always for your as always for your wonderful uh, interaction. It means the world to me. Don't forget the show is sponsored by Manscaped.com. Enter the discount code 90min20 uh, to get 20% off as well as free shipping at Manscaped on any orders you make in terms of our like count where are we let's have a look uh, i can see right now uh, there's a, there's a fair few of you uh, watching us on youtube and on the multiple other platforms as well but we're lacking in likes so we're on 53 likes now um can we get to 75 likes by the time the outro plays that would be great uh, thank you all once again as i say subscribe to the channel if you're new check out the membership uh, via the link in the description 
and I will catch you guys tomorrow with some more Arsenal related content. Until then, ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.